This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Cartographers, a podcast to help Christian leaders map a changing cultural landscape in the 21st century. Join us, Bryce and Ashley Hales, pastor and PhD, as we discuss with our guests how to cultivate fruitful and resilient lives and communities. Listen in. Welcome back to The Cartographers. It's a new year and we are excited to be back with you. Yeah, we are digging into the topic of worship. We're calling it pulling back the curtain because a lot of conversations we've had with listeners, with folks in our congregations over the years has been, why do you do the things that you do and why does it matter? And couldn't I rather or couldn't I be spending my time differently, like going out to brunch? That sounds a lot more fun. So whether you've been in church a long time and it's feeling stale, whether you feel like I really love Jesus, but I kind of don't like the church, or you're somewhere in between, we are so glad to talk about what does worship do for us and how does it form us as we pull back the curtain? So Bryce has thought a lot about these sorts of things, particularly this idea of worship as formation. And I wanted just to kind of put on my interviewer hat and we can discuss some of these ideas to get us set up for this series. Bryce, so tell us about a recent conversation you had. Yeah, so um, I had a conversation recently with somebody who uh, visited our church and it kind of just switched on a light switch uh, for me in thinking about worship. And, um, you know, some of the context, I, I, I don't know to what extent uh, people listening to this podcast know like who we are. I'm a, I'm the pastor of a, a, of a Presbyterian church. Um, and somebody uh, had visited our church for uh, s- several weeks, and then we didn't see them for several months. And then uh, this family came back and started coming and become a regular part of our congregation all in the last you know year or so. And I sat down uh, with this person and had just a super interesting conversation. He had some questions he wanted to ask me. and uh, but we're we're talking, and he he said to me, um, something to the effect of like, I've visited almost every church in our city, and there's not another church like like this church. And, you know, you can take that as like a compliment and be like, pat yourself on the back. But I'm like, I want to understand what that means. Tell me what you what you mean by that. And he said, OK, here's the thing. He said, uh, our ch- my church, my pastor is called Trinity. He says, Trinity is a liturgical church. And he says, I've I, I visited, you know, other liturgical churches. And um, often I, I go into these churches and it's like this beautiful aesthetic experience. It feels like I'm there for like a you know, maybe a, a piano recital or something like that. It's beautiful music. Usually it's an aging congregation. And sometimes I wonder if, if, if even in the beauty of this aesthetic experience, we're just going through the motions. 
On the other hand, he says there's a lot of churches that are not liturgical, and he in our in our place, and uh, you know wherever you are, you can experience this. He says visiting these churches, it feels like going to something that is a combination of a Chick Fil A and a Peloton conference. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, it feels like this very like marketed, scripted franchise experience where they're getting the most beautiful people up front to kind of lead the things. And, you know, he's like, I know they love Jesus and it's really often very well done, but sometimes I just leave feeling like, um, I'm, I'm the consumer who's being pitched something. And so I'm having this conversation with this guy. And what I realized in that moment is something I've been probably thinking about in the background for a while that we've got to develop. And part of my job as a pastor, I think, is to help people develop a different way to think about worship and what's happening when we gather as God's people for worship, a different vocabulary than just the like contemporary traditional uh, ways of thinking about this. Because so often um, we, we are just thinking about what's happening on the surface. And so we're thinking about, um, you know, what is the music like? Is the music guitars or is it an organ? Uh, we think about like, is it a liturgical or a non-liturgical? Can, I, I would, can we just say like, for the sake of clarification, everything is a liturgy, right? If your liturgy is you got to get there and get a donut and a cup of coffee before you go into church, that sounds like a, you know, a Coldplay concert or something like that. And, and there's no responsive readings or anything. That's still a liturgy because if that doesn't happen, yeah. If, and well, and if somebody was to, if the, if the church was to mix that up one week, you'd be like, what's going on? We don't usually do this. Like, so it, there, there's still a liturgical, but but thinking in not just surfacey stylistic ways, which isn't to say style is not important, but um, what I what I began to think about is um, uh, the distinction that I think that that this guy is is talking about is not so much a stylistic liturgical or not contemporary or traditional distinction. The distinction is more um, a distinction between a formational approach to worship and a functional approach to worship. Right, because I think, and we'll talk about this in a second, but you can have a functional view of worship and have it look very different, right? You can have a very high church or very low church experience, but they can both be functional, right? So tell us what you mean by functional first, just as we think about our terms. Yeah. So um, a a functional approach to worship is uh, one that is thinking uh, primarily, uh, and and again, these are not, um, these are probably points along a continuum, not not an either or proposition, but a a functional uh, approach to worship is going to prioritize what the practical benefits of going to a worship service are for the individuals or the community that's gathered there. And so it's going to think about worship in terms of its outcomes. Like does the way that we do our worship service uh, lead to more people 
coming to follow Jesus, right? Does it does does our worship service produce evangelism, discipleship, healing, social transformation? A lot of these things that are good categories. Um, and so how this approach is going to think about those is by asking questions like how engaging is, is our service or what style of music is going to be most relevant and therefore attractive to people in our um, communities. Um, so it's going to, it's going to have an emphasis on sort of the immediate effect. It's going to, it's going to emphasize that worship should be relevant and engaging. It should be very uh, responsive to the practical needs of the congregation or the, the world or the community. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, in the functional view of worship, what's happening is we're seeing the people who gather the congregation as the audience and those who are leading, whether musically, sermons, otherwise, are the ones who are performing. And God is there as sort of the director or the sustainer, right? The one who's kind of giving the energy to the performers, to the leaders who are performing for the sake of the congregation. And so we're going to then uh, uh, measure the effectiveness of a functional approach to worship in terms of like, are we actually drawing people and are people's lives being influenced? Yeah. And again, not to say that those things don't matter, but I think what you're getting at in this functional view of worship is that this is the ultimate or primary kind of lens that we are taking to what worship is for and what it does. Yes. Yeah. And so again, you could listen to that and say, okay, that sounds pretty normal to me. What's the problem? Um, I mean, we can get into that a little bit more in, in a minute, but let, let's talk about the formational approach. So a, a formational approach to worship is going to emphasize the transformative power of worship on somebody's character, somebody's identity, the, the character of, of the congregation over a period of time. And so um, we're not just focusing on, you know, what's, what was the message you heard and how did you respond to that this day? That's not bad, but, but immediately. Um, the, the formational approach is going to emphasize that over time, um, your spiritual life, your, your kind of theological approach to the world is going to be shaped and guided by the things that you do together as a member of a church, uh, as God's people. And so uh, worship's going to be grounded in the the biblical narrative. It's going to be guided and shaped maybe by the historical traditions of the church. Uh, but the, the goal isn't to like accomplish an immediate effect in the lives of individuals, but rather to become somebody who is more fully reflecting the image of Christ uh, in their place. And so um, a big part of the, I, I would say, the formational approach to worship is um, believing that what we do in worship shapes us, it transforms us, it, it, it molds us as people. So in the formational approach to worship, the way, the way we look at this is that God is the audience, right? God is the one who is the receiver of worship. And the congregation, the people who are gathered for worship are the ones who are the performers. They're the ones worshiping. And those who are maybe at the front of the stage are there as the directors. You know, they're there to prompt the worship. So whether that's musically, uh, in other ways, 
were there to guide the, the congregation who offers worship to God together. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Yeah, that's a great, a great point that we've kind of gotten, gotten things flipped and, you know, we can think, okay, what's happened historically, what happens about our worship space, what's happening current culture, and we'll probably dive into all of these in various ways throughout this series. But as we think about functional versus formational, maybe a lot of our listeners are like, that's cool, but like, why should I care? Why does any of this matter if I have a new word for what happens on a Sunday? Right. Yeah. I mean, so what is a <laughs> important question so many times. Um, again, I think at some level we have to acknowledge that both approaches are ultimately formative, right? And so if we have a sort of a functional, pragmatic uh, understanding of what's happening when we go to church, when we worship, uh, that is going to form us or shape us into people who think in in very practical, pragmatic ways about both worship and our whole lives, right? And so, what, what's going to happen then is if we are um, if if we're always asking the question of like what's in this for me or how does this directly benefit me when we go to worship, we're going to start to think. Um, in 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 sort of self-centered and ultimately consumeristic ways towards both church worship and the rest of our lives. And so one of the things that I think um, ha- has happened is that, um, and this is the way the way one of the ways in which like the the COVID pandemic and online worship has probably accelerated trends that are already happening in. In, uh, in in the church, um, you know, you can think about it like if if your doctor prescribes you medicine, right, and you're supposed to take this pill every day, and tells you, you know, your cholesterol, your heart, wh- whatever it is, uh, this is a long term problem, and you need to take this pill every day, and it's going to solve this problem for you, this health problem. And so you start taking that pill, and you're like, okay, this is great. I'm starting to feel better. Um, my numbers are going in the right direction. This is great. Um, and then you, you go, maybe you go on a trip and you forget your medicine. So you don't take your medicine for two weeks 
and you get home and you're like, I didn't take the medicine for two weeks and I feel fine. You know, it hasn't really affected me. Any. And so the temptation then is going to be like, maybe I don't really need that medicine anymore. You know, did whatever it's, it's done. And I think part of what's happened with, with, uh, during the pandemic, I think a lot, of, I mean, we know that about a third of Christians just stopped going to church entirely during that time period. And I think part of what's happened is for six weeks, six months or whatever, um, a lot of Christians did not gather for, for worship. And at the end of that time, there's this tendency to be like, I didn't actually miss that. And, you know, maybe in the, the busyness of life, um, it's nice to have my Sunday mornings free and it doesn't really seem like it makes a difference. Um, and I think my argument is that actually it does make a tremendous difference in the long run. But what we've done is, is said like, I'm only going to do something if I get an immediate response from it. And the, and so, and so the, um, the, the formational approach to worship is saying when we gather together with God's people, we, what we're, what we're doing is we are participating with God in his redemptive work in this world. It is in and through gathered worship, not exclusively. I'm not saying that like your conversation on a Wednesday night with a friend doesn't matter or something like that. But worship is the week in, week out uh, rhythm of God's people that uh, where we are participating with God in his redemptive work in the world, where what we're saying is actually we're not just tools for the, for the, for the purpose of some functional end, um, actually we are people who, who are created to glorify God. And we live in a world that does not understand or, or acknowledge that reality. And so part of our, of our weekly worship is actually a protest against the dehumanizing uh, impulse of the world that we live in that says you only are valuable if you are contributing. Right. To the extent that you're producing. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good point, you know, to think of worship as a protest um, instead of yet another consumer good to, to pursue and to consume. I think that's hugely important. You know, I have, um, you know, if we think about the formational view of worship. I'm just reminded of, you know, we have various things in our own family, particularly like trying to eat dinner, a minimum of, you know, four nights a week where we sit down around the table. At any one point, you like the conversation like is frustrating or people are interrupting one another or, you know, hey, it's just pasta or left overnight. And you could point back to any one of these meal times as not all that great. <laughs> but what but what we've done is to create an aggregate in place and space and moment in time right where the six of us are able to gather to be present to bring the good and the bad of our day um that we hope then will be the fuel for further adult relationships right as our children grow up and leave home. And I think worship does a lot of that too. At any one point you could put a pin in it and say well, this doesn't seem to have any effect, but the effect we often see like some sort of line that is going slightly a different angle from another line from the same originating point that as those 
lines diverge, right, you have a much wider difference of of outcome. But, you know, if you start at that originating point, you're not going to actually see much change. Yeah. And I think there's a sense in, in which, um, like, <laughs> you know, a, a functional approach to worship is going to be asking questions like, are the, are the messages that we're talking, is, is this directly relevant to people's needs? Does the, is the music going to like resonate and attract people? And I, and I think part of the purpose of worship is actually to say, you're not the center of the world. <laughs> and, um, and it is good and healthy for us to regularly hit pause and be like, oh, yeah, I'm not the center of the world. And that's not to diminish the significance of any particular individual at all. Jesus came to die. Uh, you know, God took on human flesh in order to come uh, to redeem individuals, human beings, right? So God values individuals. Um, and yet we are not created to live like we are the center of the universe. And so an approach to worship that says we're going to tailor everything to the maximum enjoyment of the people we're trying to attract, I think ultimately is sort of, sort of um, you know, cutting off the, uh, the, the, the foundation that, that it's attempting to build the, the church on um, because it, it's, it's undermining the, the purpose and the point of worship. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's exhausting, right? There's always a moving target, right? When you have so many generational place-based, so many different things to consider, it can feel like, ugh, like we're never going to make everybody happy. And, and you're always changing. If you're in charge of, you know, that worship, you're feeling like you're always trying to make people happy. And if you are showing up to worship, with that consumer mindset, what ends up happening then too is you can also get super in your head anxious about, well, am I growing enough? You know, did this sermon or this time give me what is required? And if I fail and sin, et cetera, like somehow I'm not doing this spiritual life right too. So I think there's, there's a lot there of self-centeredness as you're talking about too. Right. Yeah. And so one thing that, uh, um, you know, people who are listening to this podcast are thoughtful Christians and, and leaders in church contexts in different ways. And I think that we're the sort of people who are paying attention to what the trends are telling us that, you know, fewer people are wanting to go to, to church and showing uh, the people who do go to church show up less regularly than they used to 10 or 15 years ago. And if we if we respond to that with a functional, pragmatic, consumeristic approach to worship, what we're going to want to do is sort of double down on the attractional, stylistic uh, approaches that are actually, in some ways, con the cause of the, the problem that we are getting ourselves into, right? And so... Um, part, part of why this is so crucial, I think, is that there's a huge mindset shift that we have to, um, make for, for, the, for those who are, you know, in leadership in church, uh, contexts, um, we're going to have to communicate 
a lot of, I mean, this is partly why we're doing this <laughs> podcast series is to be able to communicate like this is important and we've got to start talking to our people and training our people to think in not purely functional, pragmatic uh, kind of how is this going to make a difference 45 minutes from now ways about our lives. Um, but also, you know, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader and you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I'm interested, I'm trying to make this shift. Part of what I think we also have to realize is that as we lead our churches through this shift, like it's not going to be, it's not like your whole congregation is going to get this by next Sunday. Right? It's going to, it's, it, this may be a shift that is going to take, you know, in some ways a generation or two to work its way through um, the landscape of, you know, various networks and congregations and denominations, etc. And I think at some level we've got to embrace that as the reality. That's a good, that's a good reminder. You know, so if we have this sense of, okay, I'm kind of getting a functional view of worship and I understand a formational view of worship, you know, what do we think about, um, or what would you say to folks who for various reasons aren't able, you know, their church context has changed, whether they've moved or they've had, um, you know, a relationship split. So they, they find themselves maybe not a part for whatever reason, church hurt, uh, a part of a congregation or, you know, there's, there isn't a congregation that takes the gospel seriously where they are. What would you say to them? Well, gosh, I mean, you just threw so many different, um, qualifiers into that question. And so it depends. And it's in, in part of the challenge of answering a question like that is it depends on the specific person that I'm talking to. Right. And so if the question is, um, maybe I'm listening to this on a person who has had, uh, you know, experienced church hurt in the past and I can listen to a podcast and say, okay, I get what you're saying. And yet, I really struggle with the actual experience of showing up at a specific church on a Sunday morning. Then I would say, you know, as a pastor, if I'm on the receiving end of an email from somebody who says that, like I was a part of a church 10 years ago, uh, it was a terrible experience. Like I'm trying to follow Jesus and I'm struggling. I'm like, those are the sorts of conversations I'm really eager to have. And so I would say like reach out to a few churches and um, look for a, 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 a church that's willing to engage with you on that question. It's not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to sit down as a pastor and like give you the sales pitch on why you need to be at my church, you know, starting next Sunday or something like that. But I think, um, finding a, a, a congregation where you can show up with concerns, with questions, ask those, explore those, but in a way that says we're actually trying to move towards Jesus together is really important. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, we're going to be talking about a lot of these sorts of questions um, in practicalities. And I think even just having that idea of what is functional a functional view of worship, what does that lead to? And how does a formational view of worship lead to a more beautiful life? 
more resilient and faithful disciples. We are so excited to explore this season. All right. Well, yeah. So stay with us. We're really excited to um, continue this series. We're going to have several conversations about uh, what a formational approach to worship actually looks like. How do we engage in that? How does the order of worship order our loves? Um, how does what we do when we gather for worship as God's people on Sunday morning affect our lives throughout uh affect the way that we inter interact with our neighbors and the way that we love our world. Um, we're going to talk about how individualism has affected the assumptions that we bring to these questions. We're going to talk about participating with God and uh, protesting against uh, a dehumanizing world as we engage in worship. And stay with us to the end of every episode because we've got something fun for you Um we asked, we asked in a, in a functional, pragmatic world, I asked AI to help me generate taglines for this series, and you are not going to want to miss these. We're going to drop a couple at the end of every episode, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to love it. Cartographers is hosted by Bryce Hales and Ashley Hales. It is edited by Nathan Michelle. The Cartographers is a production of Willowbray Institute. Find out more at willowbray.org. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.